What's up, guys? Welcome to the Fit Town Show. This is Coach Andrew. I got Coach Austin and Coach Josh with me today. And today we're going to be talking about why you shouldn't go all out every day. And this is news to me. I thought you should go out all out every day. So why shouldn't I go all out every single day? I, I honestly thought that's how Josh got to the CrossFit game. So <laughs> this might be news to me as well. Josh, please help. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously it's like, it's cool, right? It, it, I think largely based on kind of our own egos. Like we want to lift heavy. And I, I do understand the concept of like lifting heavy will lead me to lifting heavier, right? Mm-hmm. That's like that concept. But the reality is like pushing above these these you know, into these maximal areas uh it does a lot of bad things like a laundry list of things i guess we could start touching on them but you know it can reinforce bad mechanics you're training above like your perfect technique uh training weight uh it also leads with that leads to injury higher risk of injury for sure which compounds into like the fact that consistency will forever trump intensity and so the easiest way to grasp people for that is like do you think coming in and giving it a hundred percent two days a week is more valuable or training seven days a week smart is more valuable and like the obvious answer is training seven days a week you know you're getting so many more reps touches incentivizing your training uh that's the thing that i think jumps out to me most uh as i was thinking about this more is if if you going all out interferes with your ability to be consistent then you 100 percent don't want to go all out in that day or or what you've perceived to be all out because we're going to talk about how maybe what you think all out is is actually not like all out in that way or your best effort for that given workout yeah or those stimulus. are different doing your best and what we're, we're referring to <laughs> is going all those are different things yeah like reaching the target stimulus to the best of your ability is what we want yeah just going ham to hammer your body is not what we want to see do <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of people think that okay you know um in beach fit probably the best example is like okay if i'm not too exhaustion at the end of the workout it wasn't a successful day uh maybe in ftx it would be like well if i don't attempt this one rep max back squat or this one rep max snatch then will i ever be able how will i ever be able to do it yeah and then you sign that person like several times a month attempting that same weight to usually little to no success because they're constantly trying to feel like okay i have to be able to go to these max capacities to be able to get better, lose weight, hit this goal, whatever. Yeah, I mean, in weightlifting and weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, I think we can really reflect pretty high high levels. We can discuss this and like how often roughly we'll say like times per month should an athlete be working to failure? I'm going to say pretty much zero. You you should not, you should never be failing reps. Mm -hmm. That's if you're failing a rep, you're, you're in that terrible place where like, one you're 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 honestly not getting better like that we want every rep to move the needle it's very small right because it takes hundreds of reps thousands of reps but every time you're attempting this massive weight and you're missing it you're potentially reinforcing bad mechanics you're really opening yourself up to risk of injury because of failing rep and you aren't getting any better so it's not even like i'm taking a big risk but it could pay off you're not improving anything it's I guess like I think about it like going to school. Do you want to take a test every day? If you just took a test every day, would you get smarter? No, you have to like study and learn. And that's what the bulk of our training is, is like is studying. Maxing is like taking your final exam and you don't get to do that a whole lot. 
So you want to make sure you've studied a lot. So when that test shows up, you can ace it. That's like the, the correlation I try to make in my brain. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. I think I try to teach um, the athletes I work with the same thing. Like every day you're teaching yourself something. Right. Do you want it to be a positive thing you're teaching yourself? <laughs> or do you want it to be a negative thing that's going to come back when you don't want it to? Which is you probably trying to attempt a new one at max or something. And to bring up your point, like... How often do like like an elite powerlifter? How often do they max? And it's like it's very often because them doing a single one lift for them is it's a big risk. And if yeah. they're going to take the big risk, which they do for their sport, if they're going to take the big risk, they want it to be on game day. Yes. They don't want it to be on a random Tuesday of their you know week two of their 16 week progression. They right. they need it to be on the day that they want to perform the best. And if they hurt themselves in training they're not ever gonna to get to that competition and therefore never improve. It also doesn't mean you're gonna hit the lift on game day. Yeah. You know, if you hit it, if you work up to this this like world record deadlift, right? And you do hit it on random Tuesday. So now you've hit this lift, you've really taxed your body, your muscular system, your, your central nervous system. You Maybe you didn't get injured by the grace of God, but you also like didn't hit the payday, you didn't get the, whatever you're doing this for, I'm sure there's sponsors associated with the world record attempt. You've basically like wasted a try that gained you nothing. I just don't, for what, man? <laughs> Literally, like, other than your ego, I don't know what you're doing it for. Instagram, dude. Do for the group. Well, if you video it, then it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just as good as the big stage. That's the same thing, 100%. I mean, ESPN. they even have cameras on the, the real competitions. Instagram and ESPN <laughs> yeah. are basically the same. Yeah, one thing that you guys brought up is you can have an intention, and that intention can be separate from going all out. Um, and that intention can be different from hitting a, a max, it could be, you know, a technique intention, it could be a consistency intention in terms of pacing or, or rounds, or um, we just did, today we were doing sets of sumo deadlifts, working sets, and I wanna make each set better than the last. I wanna get, feel more engagement, you know, in my lats, in my core. I wanna I want have more speed coming off the ground. Those are things that you can give an intention to without it having to be, well, that felt good, so the only way I can improve now is to put weight on the bar. Right, to go heavier. And there's strength days. To, to, I mean, in that same breath that you're talking about, like sustainability or improving technique, and I, I definitely, as an athlete, appreciate and understand the general athlete being like, working on technique's boring. It shouldn't be that way, because you are learning. Mm -hmm. But I also understand, like, I want to go to the gym and get my pump on. I, mm -hmm. I hear that. I totally do. And we'll give you those days, but... Instead of just going to a complete failure or like, or maybe even almost as bad as, or worse as like you actually make the lift, but it looks like a total dumpster fire. <laughs> let's get like five to 10 great lifts at a little bit less than that. Just a little bit less weight. And so like a lot of times what I have my coach prescribe for me is like, I'll work to like a heavy set of three with perfect technique. So I don't actually have a real true percentage but it should feel very heavy. But if I lose any kind of technique, so for like maybe for a deadlift, in a max attempt deadlift for a high level athlete, there's gonna be rounding of the low back, right? We know that. So, but my training session might be like, I want you to go as heavy as possible and, and allow zero rounding of the low back. Mm -hmm. So that, now I'm, you know, I'm scaling for perfection and then I'm scaling for repeatable reps. So I'm, I'm very safely below this risk of injury, world record, well, obviously the world record, but even my own personal <laughs> PR uh, lift, and I'm still able to gain significant strength improvements from what I'm doing. I think one thing to point out with that is you're so well-developed that on that heavy single with perfect technique day, it would be, it would take a miracle for you to beat a PR on something. Oh yeah, no way. But matter. for like 
80-90% of our clientele that have been doing this for only a few years or even potentially, you know, 10 years, but they haven't been doing the, a level of training that like Josh has, they could go to a heavy single on the day with perfect technique and that might actually be a PR. That happens day. next door. Next it door. happens all the time. Yeah. It happens in Beach Fit too with like just random times where like, oh wow, I just kept grabbing a higher kettlebell and I've never done this weight before. Yeah. This is really cool. And I think that's really important to say is it doesn't prevent you from having PR opportunities or setting personal bests. It just means that you're doing it when your body tells you you're ready for it. You're not just trying to select every single day or potentially even random days to do that. Um, I think your Olympic lifting clients, we were just talking about, uh, we, could, we could name her Pam. She's doing great with her Olympic lifts. And she just did in a workout the other day, her one rep max for reps on the cleans. And she hasn't been maxing out with you that I know about. No. no. What's, so talk about what she's been doing. And then now she's hitting basically a PR in a workout. Yeah, and I mean, she can tell you this. Like we've these, we're basically starting. We're starting week five, so it hasn't even been that long. But we've just been dialing in the same thing over and over and over at lighter percentages. This last Saturday, I kind of amped them up. It was our first heavy day, and for them, that was ninety percent. And we did four snatches and four clean and jerks. And that was it. Eight lifts on the whole day at ninety percent. When I see that. I'm actually kind of nervous I'm as an athlete. I'm dreading. I'm like, oh wow, dang, nine or four of them? Like, oh, I don't know, man. So like, that's a very challenging day for me. When you're used to looking at the board and it's like build up to a heavy, 90% of you doesn't seem like a good workout. Those are like the best. Those are like my game days because I'm like, okay, I've put in all this technique, positional work, blah, blah, blah. Let's hope it pays off because I need to be able to repeat it for a couple of reps, not just hit one good single. But I also want to start getting familiar with a couple with with the heavier weights just to get that feel because that's important too. Without going to 100%, you don't need to go to 100% to feel what heavy weight feels like. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna take it back down and we're gonna ramp our way back up. And we have about four more weeks before we actually do have our game day, which is where we're gonna try to see if we've made any progress in these eight weeks. And I'm like, you know, even if they don't make progress weight-wise, I don't care because I've seen so many positional improvements over these past couple weeks that's a win regardless. Pam's a perfect example that you brought up because she's able to do that just based off technique changes alone. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, you can get stronger in four weeks. It's kind of hard to do when you've been working out for as long as she has. I don't know how, I'd say probably eight plus yeah, years. Training, she was here when we first opened. Her training okay, so years almost 10 years at least. So for her to just be like coming here hitting a PR every day, that's not that's not a normal thing. So for her to make that drastic of a PR, that's that's all technique, that's all positions, and that's all we've been drilling these past couple weeks. So you can see how quickly you can make changes that way if you're willing to take a step back, so to say, in percentages and weights, and then ramp yourself back up. There's a the repeatability of this is where I think the magic happens. You know, yeah. it, it could be um, like we're talking about lifting could be someone that wants to improve their mile, right? They, they have a, it's called a six minute mile because that breaks down into like 90 second, 400 meters. Well, if we can get, that person could choose to run a mile every single day and try to beat a six minute mile. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> or they could say, okay, well, let me start to first see if I can improve my paces with some rest built in. And maybe I'm gonna do, you know, repeats at a minute 25 pace where I get two to three minutes between and maybe accumulate four, six, eight of those in a given day. That's still gonna be a fairly difficult day, yeah. difficult training day, um, but you should actually lead that day and feel like, okay, like I feel good. Like it wasn't a complete max effort. 
Um, maybe you'd never even have to like lay on the ground after or sit down after. You can just kind of go into the next piece of your day and you're gonna get a lot better doing that and you're gonna reach that goal. Yeah, I think taking exactly what we're talking about with strength training and just mirroring that in aerobic training. So that could be in anything. It could be running, it could be you know any modality that you wanna improve, but understanding the value in just, it doesn't have to be a lot, but like less than maximum effort. So it is therefore repeatable. So we can maintain good technique. Cause I mean, there is bad and good running technique. There's bad and good rowing technique. And if you want to improve these things, it's important that you're programming your body to be efficient. So you're hitting consistent strides, learning what that tempo and pace feels like. And I think that if, you know, if CrossFit or like a similar sport is your ultimate goal, you really need to start with those things almost separated. Like let's get better at strength and let's build a foundation <laughs> through repeatable efforts at repeatable uh, percentages. Then let's do the same, well, I'll do the other way around, but then let's do the same thing with aerobic efforts. Let's get better at the rower and be repeatable. Let's right. get on the skier, let's run. Then you can slowly start to build like mixed modal things, which might include like, so maybe that's like, every five minutes for five rounds you do 10 wall balls run a 200 and do 15 burpees and the goal would be to make every single of those five rounds the exact like plus or minus two seconds of each yeah. other um and that's definitely is more complicated but like that's the what we're aspiring to do is just accumulate good reps in this somewhere between 65 and 85 percent effort and that's yeah. a big window but like most people want to work below that or sometimes <laughs> above that. Yeah. But this is, and I, I think it's honestly because it is hard. It does hurt to like repeat pain. Yeah. If you, to me, it's kind of like, this is just my personal spiel is like going really hard out of the gate isn't brave. I think it's a little bit cowardly because I think somewhere in the back of your head, you know, if I just go super fast, I'm going to blow up. Yeah. So you're just going to be recovering for every other round. It's more painful to like live on the edge for five rounds and yeah. keep hurting, you know, hurting yourself and make it repeatable. That, that, but that's where you get better. That's really where you're going to move the needle. Yeah. Would, would, you, would you rather have an athlete that, let's say it's that workout that you just said, the wall balls, the run, and the, what'd you say, burpees? Yeah. So every five for five. Would you rather have an athlete, if you had to pick, start off at like a two minute round then it's like 233 334 yeah definitely or would you go the opposite four three thirty yeah so we do we definitely the second one for sure to answer your question and and i think it's valuable that i definitely think repeatable sets are the most bang for your buck but i also think for training athletes especially it's very valuable to have people intentionally do negative splits yeah and at a beginner level athlete maybe that's three rounds at an advanced level athlete, maybe it's 10. And that's hard. Like I've had to do those like 10 rounds repeated and I need you to get faster every single round. And you're like, oh sweet, so I get to go slow for a few rounds. Mm -hmm. And what you inevitably find out is you did not go slow enough early on. <laughs> and then like when you get mashed down to the end, you're, you're going what has become maybe your 100% effort, but it isn't close to what your 100% effort would be if you were fresh. Yeah. So it's it is again like we talked about. Your, it's a perceived it's effort, but best. it's not an out. It's not a hundred percent output. Exactly, it is your best effort under extreme fatigue. Yeah, yeah. You, I just think you brought those two examples, Austin. That you learn so much from the second version. Like yes. in the first version, you know, you you worked for the same amount of time, just in in the inverse. Um, but you all you learned is that okay, I went too fast. 
Yep. Whereas when you do the second version, you kind of are learning, oh, well maybe that ideal time, the end was too fast because I only did that once. I couldn't have sustained that. But there was somewhere in there that actually felt pretty good and I felt like I could have done 10 rounds at that pace. Yeah. And it was not easy, but I, it felt very doable. And there's a certain level of confidence that comes with that. Um, and then if you talk about the nervous system impact, your ability to recover from that, you're gonna feel so much better the next day yeah because that nervous system impact wasn't, it wasn't in survival mode for 60 minutes. It actually was building confidence and, and safety. It felt safe, yeah. your, your body felt safe, and that's why you're able to speed up. You basically up. buffer it for the last few rounds. Exactly. Because your peak is now already, we have diminished that, that top end on purpose. So if you, even if you are going what you think is 100%, it is not 100%. So Josh, I wanna talk specifically about you because you, and we can kind of get into the details of like what a day or week of training looks like. Um, but we want to talk about this concept of like zone two. So you have a limited hours in your day. You're trying to coach, you're trying to train from the games. You got a wife, you got all these stuff, things that you're trying to do. So I think we could make the argument for you that every time you train, it has to be all out because if you don't do that, right. you don't, you're not getting the best bang for your buck but I know you do a lot of what's called zone two. Yeah. So if you can explain what that is and why you still make time for it, even though it's the most time consuming thing that you do. Yeah, it's the least sexy, <laughs> it's definitely the least Instagrammable and it definitely takes the longest. Uh, so zone two is zone two is referring to like a level of your heart rate. Um, it should be, uh, people can give you like, there's a, there is a formula. If you want to nerd out, you can look that up online. Uh, it's really like, I tell people you should be able to take a phone call and talk to the person on the phone, but they should know you're working out. That's kind of how I like, that's something that I think everyone can relate to. So if <laughs> I'm like, I'm right no, I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so zone two is uh, generally like, you know, it, 20 minutes is kind of the minimum. It could be as long as an hour for me and for an, an endurance athlete. From what I've heard, the rule of thumb is like, you definitely want to go at least 30 yeah. to kind of get the, the good, initial effects 30 to 40 for me is is normally where i'll live uh i wish i had time to do 60 to 70 i just don't usually have that much time and i i personally and uh coaches that i've learned about and studied about into this highly recommend it be on an erg something that is very low impact um so there is not consistent inconsistency or fluctuation with what like could spike your heart rate in other right. words if you're doing like a wall ball burpee box step up in zone two that's not super measurable because like you might be just bad at a movement it's like you're not getting the true thing you so probably have to take a lot of rest in that type of workout like, to really, keep your heart rate it, down. it should be like biking biking and, and run walking we'll say is probably the most efficient if you're comfortable on the rower and the skier those are okay options too but you yeah. should be like pretty proficient on them to do it and but it all goes back to that ability to just like have a conversation yes. you're you're elevated breathing but not by much yeah you're pretty much living in like you know uh on a scale of one to ten like a four you yeah. know it's intentional i'm i am working out i'm not like i'm not cruising and drawing pictures and sc scrolling instagram but i could be listening to a podcast for sure yeah um and you're just like you're living in that in that zone uh and it's largely the benefits of that are gonna be restorative you're, you're doing a couple things at once you're improving your aerobic base which to me is like the most valuable piece of any health pyramid because if it's performance that you're searching, um, 
the bigger your aerobic bases, the more training you can do, and the more training you can do, the more you can improve it every single day. So like, while volume isn't everything, being able to handle volume is important. Yeah. And if your biggest achievement is optimal health, obviously you want a great aerobic system. Yeah. Like we want a healthy heart. It's one of the things tied to longevity yeah. and living a long So to me, life. it's like, this is a no brainer regardless of your goals. You should be doing, the average person, 20 minutes of zone two would be awesome. And for yeah. a lot of people, that's just gonna be a fast walk. Yeah. It's not gonna be even running. Like some days, in the, especially in the Florida heat, or if I'm doing it post training, so I'm already fatigued, I actually can't run and stay in zone two sometimes. Because of the heat. Which is insane, I'm a five minute miler. Yeah. But like, I'm a, yeah, the heat response, my fatigue. You just literally can't run slow enough and it's like, to do wow. it. And yeah. it doesn't feel hard, but I wear a heart rate monitor to make sure I'm not straining my body. Let's, let's share the heart rate, you know, you say you can look it up, but so many people have these whoops and Apple watches now. So the, the number I've heard is 180 minus your age. So you're uh, like, we're both roughly 35, let's call it. So like we got to stay between or under 145 yeah. heart rate to be in zone two. If we creep too far above, maybe 150, we could push it. But in a typical CrossFit workout, you know, we're going to be 170, 180 or beach fit workout, 170, 180. So we're significantly below that. Yeah, you're way less than what you would probably be in any kind of classroom setting for sure. Yeah, it, it is. It is truly like a little more intense than like a warm up. Honestly, my warm up is probably pretty close to zone two. I warm up pretty hard. Uh, so, and I just I I love it. Like it allows me to kind of mentally drift off, which I just think is nice. Like I don't always do it. Uh, with my phone, I mentioned like a podcast. I like to do it unplugged and check out. So mentally, I feel better. Physically, you do actually feel better. Like I never finish zone two and feel beat up. Mm -hmm. It actually kind of brings me back to life. So my body feels better. And then I definitely notice an increase in my recovery. Like the next day, I, I don't yeah. feel so thrashed. You know, I, I didn't just like do a bunch of workouts and then go sit in my car and then go home and sit down and watch TV and then go to bed. Yeah. Yeah, the term active recovery or flush gets thrown around a lot. And realistically, that term is really meant to talk about something like a zone two, yeah. where you're sitting at that heart rate for, for 30 to 60 minutes. And um, you had mentioned like an erg. I personally like a little bit of variety, but variety of ergs, like yeah. still very aerobic stuff. But that way, you know, because you can make the argument, okay, if you're sitting on a rower for 30 minutes straight, you're still doing that many hinges, that many right. leg drives, that many partial squats. Um, whereas if you do, let's say five minutes on a rower, five minutes on a bike, five minutes of a jog, five That's minutes of jump rope. way better. Yeah, Reverse it's easy. sled drag, any yeah. of those things, you can, you can make it like, I call it around the world when I yeah. program it for my clients. And it might be like two to three minutes on a machine for up to 60 minutes. And I'll sometimes make that their entire day, like on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, I also think, I love that you brought up like, the effects of active recovery. If you look at like actual data, I mean, people spend literally thousands of dollars on recovery, right? I mean, there are so many things marketed to us and, and I'm not saying they don't improve recovery. So mm -hmm. but everything from Theragun to ice barrels, to saunas, to foam rollers on the low end, the number one proven most effective form of like muscle soreness reduction is active recovery that movement movement is the and it's free yeah like people are spending all this money to take a shortcut and like the craziest thing when i was reading i've read a couple different pubmed articles on this 
So active recovery, like zone two, by far the most effective. The next most effective thing is actually like the vibroplate thing, like vibration. Oh yeah. Which is, <laughs> I don't know if you could pay me to like just go stand and hang out in this thing and like <laughs> it's like, it seems insane. We gotta clip that. <laughs> I, I, I've been on one before. It's pretty interesting. But like it feels, you feel, you do feel it head to toe. Like yeah. it's, it's crazy. It reminds me of like uh, Home Alone 2 when Harry, when he grabs the, the sink, yep. he just gets totally fried. And then after that, I think it's like, you know, deep tissue massage and stuff. And whatever makes you feel good is great. But active recovery doesn't cost you any money. And it's the most effective. Like, dude, take, take a 20 minute walk. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's important to point out, like, are we trying to tell everyone that they, they, they have to be doing this several times a week or, or whatever it might be? Maybe. I think actually if you do it once a week, it can be a great approach for you. But more just to give you an idea of like, how someone at a very high level like Josh and people that train like him see value in this and make time for it. And us as an everyday person, which is the majority of, of our membership, yeah. how we can see value in it for ourselves. It could be a bike ride with your family, system. man. I, a lot yeah. of times I'll go out to JD and I'll, I will wear a monitor to make sure <laughs> I don't go over for too long. But like you can, you can mountain bike in zone two. You're yeah. not gonna be like sending it and jumping, but it doesn't have to be confined to like, I don't, it shouldn't feel like punishment. It, it should feel great. Like, that's why I'm saying like, you can walk on the beach, you could go for a ruck, you could, you can use ergs, you can mountain bike outside. Like I, I use it as an excuse always to get outside and train yeah. whenever I can. Yeah. Or even in a beach fit class or FTX class, like you undershoot your yes. pace one day and it's like, oh, well, I ended up a little bit easier than I could have, but like I hit the goal that coach asked, which was like sustainability or maybe slightly negative splits or whatever, which we do have those days that come from time to time. And it's like crush the next day. Exactly. If I undershoot a day, it's not the end of the world. Um, and when you talk about being the person you want to be outside the gym, like there's oftentimes we'll hear from clients that like, Oh, I was so destroyed for the rest of the day. Yeah. And so I think that's something important to take into consideration of, that's not the end of the world if that happens, but how many days do you want that to be if the primary goal for you coming in is to be the best husband, you know, wife, parent, whatever employee that you can be, business owner, and, uh, and yeah, it's okay to have something in the tank. Yeah, I mean, if you're not getting paid to do this, it should be fun. Like, you yeah. should have a good time, man. Yeah. And I think another cool thing is, you know, we, we kind of talked about, like, Every time you do something, every movie you make, you're teaching your body something. Honestly, like for you to sit on a whatever, a bike, a row, or a ski for 30 minutes, you have a lot of time to think. Yeah. And the cool part about it for me, like as I've done more of these, and I have a biker at home, so I every once in a while I'll just go sit on the bike and watch TV or whatever. It's like, okay, now that I get into a workout where it's a repeated effort. Like, I just sat on the bike for 30 minutes the other night. I'm pretty sure I can hold this pace for two minutes, you know? Yes. So for me, it's almost like a confidence boost in a way of like, you did all this work, you were able to sustain a heart rate for this amount of time, and you felt fine and great coming off of it. Yeah. For you to be able to ramp up just a little bit for two minutes, like, you can do that. And it's like, I'm kind of just creating these little wins for myself and my, my abilities, um, fitness-related abilities, like, just by sitting on something for a little bit of time. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the benefits that we don't talk about enough. Yeah, no, well. matter, no matter how tired I get, I know I can hold that pace. Like right. I did that for forever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I think sometimes when we, we have, 
when we tell people to, to increase pace or start slow in a workout, they th it's almost like they think that, that we're telling them that, that they have to be able to go all out at the end. Like they're really focused on what that last round is gonna be. When it's not about how fast can you go when you're tired, it's about how slow can you go when you're starting? How slow can you go to make something actually sustainable? And I think there's, I mean, I think there's been clients with us that they, they actually don't know what that bottom limit is that you're talking about, that they don't know what their floor is. And um, so they don't know how slow they need to start in a workout that they can build off of. And just literally every workout they start just a little bit too high. The best thing we could do is take every client through a 10 minute uh, echo bike test so we can find that floor. <laughs> <laughs> they will definitely find the floor. See that on a Sunday, that. that sounds fun. Man. <laughs> Chris made me do 20 minutes not too long ago, and that was like one of the worst days of my life. I was like, I don't know what to do now. Where do I go? Where do I sit? How do I sit? Do I even sit anymore? <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll wrap up there. You know, I hope you guys understand that, you know, the value of leaving something in the tank some days, hitting consistent reps or rounds in a given workout, um, and just showing up consistent to the gym and making that the ultimate goal as opposed to feeling like you have to go all out to each day to be successful. If you guys have any questions or comments, don't hesitate to reach out. And thank you for listening.